Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Back on the program, Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, and Drew Bahena. And we are so excited to be able to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on one of our very good friends, Joe Bartle from RotoWire, kind enough to join us having another fantasy football conversation with us here on the Plains. Joe, the time is greatly appreciated. How's your week been, my friend? Uh, could be better, you know, favorite team. Uh, Packers struggling to almost a national level of discomfort, right? Aaron Rodgers is showing his inability to be a leader, and the Packers' offense stinks, but the defense is worse, and the special teams can't do anything better either. So uh, could be better there. And, oh, by the way, I also have DK Metcalf in most of my leagues where he got injured, and your boy Kyle Pitts, I guess everyone's boy here, Kyle Pitts, has uh, also been letting me down too. So it has been a difficult fantasy season, to say the least. Of the 15 teams, there's like three or four that I would say uh, are so dominant that I don't have to set my lineups most week. It's, it's just that good. And then there's probably three or four that I'm like, well, we're, we're entering week eight, uh, and this team sucks. Going to have to kind of check out a little bit mentally on that. And then a whole lot in between. Uh, and I imagine that's probably the same for a lot of other fantasy managers out there. Well, Joe, the good news for you is I'm in the same boat with uh, with the Bucks part of things because I also have a very old quarterback. Now, I do feel confident in his leadership abilities, but I do not feel confident in the Bucks doing anything positive for a while. Uh, but uh, talking fantasy with you, um, so I want to touch on this situation with New England first because I don't know if the quarterback position has any ramifications fantasy-wise between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, but just from your standpoint – of who is running that offense and how the Patriots might call plays, given who they select at quarterback there. Do you see anything notable changing with the dynamic of their wide receivers, running backs, and and, and tight ends, and that sort of thing, depending on who the quarterback is? Yeah, not really. I mean, we actually saw Zappi Hour uh, first and foremost here in Packerland when uh, Zappi had to take over Brian Hoyer uh, back in, what, week three or four? And I, I was pretty convinced this is one of the worst quarterbacks in the leagues. The fact that they've gotten Zappi to look good against the Browns and Lions in the subsequent weeks, and, and I know that the Browns and Lions to the worst defense in the league, but he looked like a, a capable quarterback. I, the issue is we had the same conversation with Mac Jones last year, too, where he was kind of a game manager, had some good games, uh, wasn't electric in terms of making plays, but just was in, with, he played within himself. And I don't know, maybe that was the story of, the 2022 first quarter of the season because he had Cooper Rush doing the same things. There was so many conversations about Cooper Rush. Oh, does he push out Dak Prescott's starter? And then, lo and behold, Cooper Rush comes back down to earth, not a quarterback can win games with. And I think we saw the same thing with Zappi, like win competent games, and we saw the same thing with Zappi Monday night, too. The only question I have is I don't know if I can say the same thing. Uh, I don't know if I can um, say anything differently, I should say, about Zappi that I do Mac Jones. I think they're kind of the same game manager quarterback, and Neither provides a level of athleticism that makes them necessary to play, which is kind of the argument you have with Sam Ellinger, who I'm sure we'll talk about too, replacing Matt Ryan in the starting lineup, uh, even though Matt Ryan's hurt. I, I don't, I don't really see a difference in it, and I think it depends on the matchup as to when Matt Jones and Zappy, if and when that quarterback controversy gets itself worked out, really is able to make anybody else fancy well besides Ramondre Stevenson. And, and I want to touch on actually another situation before we talk uh, some more, you know, about, uh, as you said, Sam Ellinger or, or the Colts. But but in Arizona, one of the best wide receivers in the league, DeAndre Hopkins, 
coming back last week. Played good football. I think he had around 100 yards or so receiving. Got targeted double-digit times. And so does that make it feel like a, a sigh of relief for fantasy owners uh, of guys on the Cardinals and specifically of DeAndre Hopkins that he was able to come off the suspension and, and look just like the DeAndre Hopkins we've seen of old? Yeah, I mean, I actually would say he looks better because the DeAndre Hopkins that we saw for most of last year was not the DeAndre Hopkins that I think is going to be a Hall of Fame receiver when it's all said and done. That was a guy that you're like, oh, wait, is this the tail end of his career? And he's pushing over 30-plus years old now. And it's had, it's not like the uh, Deshaun Jackson or super speed guys. DeAndre Hopkins' game his entire career has been the physical go-up-and-get-the-ball receiver. And I think, you would imagine, would have more wear and tear in his body than somebody that's more quick of feet uh, and plays in that same way. Now, he also plays on the outside as opposed to the spot where those more uh, targeted shots would happen. But I, I was kind of wondering towards the end of last year, is this the end of relevance for DeAndre Hopkins in terms of fantasy? So I was I was happily surprised and uh, reaffirmed that no, no, I think Hopkins looks pretty good. Now, you could make an argument this is going to be the healthiest Hopkins will be all year. He was off a six-game suspension. This wasn't an injury-related thing. He was able to practice the entire time as well, too, and maintain his, his shape for the season. So he should have produced the way he did, especially with Marquise Brown out. I don't think that changes in future weeks until we see DeAndre Hopkins maybe towards the end of December or whatever else uh, have that the rigors of the NFL season affect him. But it was good to see the beginning of the season uh, for him, and I think for fantasy managers who had a stomach through the six-week absence, that's good. Now, he's supposed to buy a week, so uh, seven weeks of, of being able to have a player and having to roster them at the same time the entire year is certainly punishment enough from a fantasy perspective, but I think he is very clearly at least a low-end fantasy wide receiver one at minimum wide receiver two rest of the way. We're talking with Joe Bartle from Roto-Wire here on Sports Call. and uh, Joe, I wanted to ask you about Mark Andrews, tied in for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Obviously a bad weekend for fantasy owners with him last weekend uh, with uh, zero points. Obviously, he's got a knee injury. What are you hearing on Mark Andrews? He, uh, everything I'm seeing still listed as questionable, but they've got a Thursday game. So if you're a fantasy owner of Mark Andrews, is it time to uh, maybe move him down and get somebody else in there that might get you some more points? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we have an answer, and we probably won't until uh, 8.05 p.m. Eastern you know, tomorrow. <laughs> it's, it's, he is seriously questionable, and I think it's going to be one of those things where you have to see whether or not Andrews is going to be able to play um, I don't know if Andrews is out. I'm not sure Lamar Jackson becomes a guy that you can really play either. Like that, that's how big of a ramification this injury could be. Right. And Lamar's been struggling the past two or three weeks. Lamar, absurd. The Buccaneers' defense, pretty darn good as well too. I, I think this could be a troublesome spot for Mark Andrews if he's unable to play. Obviously, but even if he is, you know, Levante David and Devin Moore are probably the two best linebackers in the league in terms of coverage. It makes me a little bit worried. I think you have to play Mark Andrews if he's available. But if uh, if he's ruled out early and get a head note, a, a bit of notice, I'm not sure Isaiah Likely, who is the kind of uh, fun front runner backup that people are excited about to begin week one, who's done basically nothing. I'm not sure Isaiah Likely is a plug and play either. I, I'm more concerned that I think the Buccaneers will just overall. I'm sorry, the Buccaneers will shut down the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. The company will struggle. I got a couple questions for you, Joe. Um, so I've been alternating seemingly for the past four, five weeks between Tom Brady and Geno Smith, and I just can't seem to start the right player the right week. Um, do you have a lean on Tom versus the Baltimore secondary and their whole defense versus um, Geno Smith coming up against the hot Giants right now? 
Yeah, and I don't blame him. I mean, Tom, Tom Brady has been a guy, especially against the Steelers, who had a bad secondary, and he fought against the Panthers, who traded away Christian McCaffrey and were waving the right, white flag in the season. Those those literally should, couldn't have been better matchups for him. I, I would have had Tom Brady in the starting lineup every week in both those, and of course, he struggles. And now you have to have concerns. Like, obviously, the Ravens secondary has been really bad, but the Buccaneers have been even worse. I tend to believe that the Buccaneers are going to fix things. I think Tom Brady is too professional of a quarterback, and I think that scheme and the players around him are too good to be an issue. However, you know, Mike Evans was also one of the guys that was banged up uh, following following Sunday night's sorry Sunday's game uh, against him. And obviously, he's good to go. He's there. There is no injury designation for this contest, but he's had issues all season long and missing practices. And this isn't just a normal cadence type of deal. I, I don't know. I, I have a little bit of reservations, but. Tom Brady. We have him currently ranked uh, nine this week, and Geno Smith twelve. That's a bit of a difference, guys. Between Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott, uh, I, I think I would play Tom Brady, but I can understand the reservation if you want to go Geno Smith. Yeah, I hear you. And uh, following that up, um, is Dante Foreman worth starting yet, or do we need to see a couple more weeks? Yeah, kudos to you for having him. We had recommended that in the Tuesday Rotowire podcast. Both Foreman and Shuba Hubbard and Gus Edwards, if you really want to get some bonus points for the podcast, uh, prior to all their big explosions. And I think it's kind of muddled the waiver wire this week. If you have Shuba Hubbard or Deonta Foreman, I think you're happy about what you've been able to see develop. Now, it is worth pointing out, Foreman was the lead, uh, was, was I'm sorry, the backup ball carrier while Shuba Hubbard was healthy for the first three quarters. Hubbard got hurt, Foreman had the long run, yeah, kind of finished things yard. out in that game, too. I think Foreman is the better talent, to be clear, and I, I actually believe that the talent, especially in the situation when the Panthers are uh, not very good, is going to win out. I'm not sure I'd consider him a starter necessarily. Now, if Chuba Hubbard is not going to be able to play, which I don't think we have an indication that's going to happen yet, well, then, yes, it's, it's a no-brainer to me. That's running back too clearly. But I would need to see a bit more details on uh, Chuba Hubbard and his availability before I really confirm that. Joe Bartles here with us from Rotowire. Follow him on Twitter, at Sports. So tell me about Sam Ellinger and the Colts. Should we start Colts players this week? What does Ellinger's fantasy prospects look like? Give us a rundown there of Indy. Yeah, I think it's a frustrating thing. Um, I I do not believe Frank Reich for one second and says that Sam Ellinger is going to play the entire year. I think that's just an absolute lie. But he is an athletic quarterback. I, I've kind of thought of him more like a uh, – if – if not, nah, man, it's it's tough – he's going to be running the ball, and he's not going to be like a Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, I was going to say RG3 too. All those guys are way, way, way more dynamic running the ball. But their mentality where you can make a big play with the legs and they're going to try to do that, fits what Ellinger's play style is. Is that effective with the way the Colts run the offense? No, I don't really think so. Uh, that being said, Matt Ryan certainly hasn't been effective either, so I get it. You're still theoretically in the AFC South division race. Might as well try to turn things around especially when Matt Ryan is injured and pretend otherwise. I just don't think Allinger's a very good uh, NFL prospect, and that would be my biggest concern. And you're right. Do you start other players? Obviously, Jonathan Taylor probably has to play. Same with Michael Pittman, too. But I thought Alec Pierce was kind of a low-end wide receiver two or three most weeks. I'm not sure I feel the same way about that. And Paris Campbell, uh, back-to-back weeks with 10-plus targets, does that happen? I mean, like, if Allinger plays the way the Colts want him to, to be a successful guy that has the starting job the entire year, he probably throws it instead of the 40 times Matt Ryan was throwing it, it's up to 25 times, and Ellinger runs another seven or eight. That's what the Colts want when you're putting them as the starting spot. So you're losing targets some way. I have to imagine Paris Campbell's one of that, and I think uh, Alec Pierce would be another. 
maybe the running backs too, which stinks because Jonathan Taylor finally was getting involved in the passing game last week. Uh, it's it's not a great scenario. I think they're they're significantly downgrading at quarterback, and I recognize how bad Matt Ryan has been this year. All right, Joe, I want to transition to basketball for just a question or two. We know that you are in 7 million leagues in football. How many basketball leagues are you in? Yeah, only two. I think if the basketball season didn't coincide with the football season, because we're, we're knee-deep in football yet, I would be a little bit more intrigued in it. But this is just a let's uh, dip our toes in the water. And I like to have action on the NBA because I'm watching the games anyway. So only two leagues, but they are pretty high-stakes leagues, at least. Uh, relative for my my budget so i'm very much invested i'll say it that way and so just a week in the season just four games very small sample size relatively speaking but uh just give me a a player or two that you're kind of maybe a little bullish on that you that you stand by maybe a stronger statement and that that you think they're going to have big fantasy years well i i talked about last week and i'll stand by it still i think the murray is going to be a guy that uh, you're getting around a 30 or 35th player overall, and I think he's got upside of top 15, top 20, depending on what kind of category of leagues you're playing in. The steals, I mean, four steals this past night, nine rebounds, nine assists. He doesn't have to score. He gives you everything else in the category, which I find really, really valuable. He had 21 points, and he was averaging 21 points per game with the Spurs last year. If he got around that number, that was kind of like the, yes, I'm happy with that. It would be more if he turned it into the 16 or 17 territory points per game that'd be an issue and so far that hasn't been the case i would have thought the assists would be a little bit more uh not valid but it would be a bit more there given the hawks offense overall but i'm going to say let's get some chemistry underneath the team and i think some things are going to work out i've been really really high in Jaden ip2 i was getting him at uh at the end of late drafts or at the end late in drafts just about everywhere i was going even in best ball stuff too and i've been more than pleased with what he's been able to produce so far if Kate Cunningham were to be out for whatever the reason, I, and I don't want that, I mean, Kate's really good for the NBA and certainly good for the Pistons. If Kate were to not play, we're talking about Jaden Ivey, who's got about 15 to 1% usage rate, maybe even less than that in certain formats, getting close to like 30%. And that's that's upper-tier overall players uh, in the NBA. Fantasy-wise, you're talking about a, a massive boon if that were to occur. And again, I don't want it to with Kate Cunningham, but that's the upside you're referring to Jaden Ivey, or at least what I think could happen. So I like him uh, quite a bit. Obviously, Banchero has been awesome, too, for the Magic. I think there's some of these young guys that overall uh, aren't getting enough credit or at least slept on to begin the season that could be pretty effective. From the on-the-floor perspective, we certainly know that it's not working with Russell Westbrook and the Los Angeles Lakers. The wins aren't necessarily there. But, Joe, from the fantasy perspective, given that this guy has been an MVP winner before, has more triple-doubles than anybody else in the history of the sport, just how much has Russell Westbrook fallen off as a fantasy basketball yeah. player? Yeah, just to put this in the context, uh, I did two different auction formats. That's the preferred way that I like for all fantasy, but... Specifically for NBA, I feel like it's it's a little bit easier because there's a lot more guys within a certain tier, uh, and I also think there's less guys that are uh, bullish on their tiers, so therefore there's not extremes in the auction value. We had Russell Westbrook valued right around the 15 to $20 range in the $200 budget. Pretty common, makes sense. Jaden Ivey was $3. Jaden Ivey has dramatically outperformed Russell Westbrook again through a week, but it's been, it's been insane. Last year with the Lakers, his first year of the Lakers, he averaged 18 points per game. The last time Russell Westbrook averaged 18 points per game in the season was all the way back in his second year, uh, wow. back in 2009-10. It's insane. This year, averaging 10. 
Like it's, it, I mean, it's, again, three games, I understand, but this is a dramatic difference that we're seeing. And obviously, the large part is a three-point percentage, which has been uh, drawn out nationally and completely uh, justified mm-hmm. with it. He's attempting just as many three-pointers as he was in previous years, if not more, and hitting at just an absurdly low rate. Last year, 29%. Uh, the, the, his year with Washington, I should say, he had 31%. Certainly not ideal, but that was a good mark over the last five or six years. He's never been known as a three-point shooter, but the fall-off right now has been pretty traumatic in that case. And you've seen that, I think, a couple of these national games. Literally, it's it's like you're watching uh, a high school defense when yeah. they're off these guys, and everyone's got a foot in the paint, especially when it comes to Westbrook. It's been tough, and uh, so long as he is in the lineup, no, he's not tonight, but so long as he's playing, it hurts everyone around him because the offense production is just limited when you can play defense like that. Joe, thank you for the time, man. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on.